Neil Diamond's Sweet Caroline, a song written more than 50 years ago about the daughter of a US president. Former US president has become the unofficial anthem of the England team at Euro 2020, and it's not the only pop song to have been adopted by England fans. Caroline. You like it? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Finally a song that I know, Wallace. Finally. What is, what is You've the connection? You've been on this panel four times. Yeah. You've not known one song. No, this one I know. Wuthering Heights, Violent Femmes, <laughs> all the greats. And you know Sweet Caroline. Why? Yeah, well, just for, for just from sport, because I've seen oh. it, it uh, heard it, sung at different crowds, rugby as well as cricket. Um, so it's one of those songs that people sing uh, a lot. Yeah. Why? Why? Didn't, I did not know this. This is yeah. news to me. This is the song that you sing at the end of a very late night in a, you know, in a pub. Yes. Well, yeah. uh, England player turned pundit Gary Neville soaked up the joyful atmosphere in Wembley Stadium and declared, this is one of the best experiences I think I've had head in football. Have a listen. It's a fun song to as a, as a crowd to sing, and I think I've heard it in Australian crowds as well. Australian crowds sing that as well. I might be wrong, mm. but um, it's, it seems quite common. But you know, so there's... the question is, how did a song first released by an American soft rock star in 1969 become adopted as England's new sporting anthem? Well, it started life as a sporting crowd pleaser in the 90s when it was played during a Boston Red Sox baseball game for an employee who had named her newborn Caroline. Now, Paul Carr, professor in popular music analysis at the University of South Wales, uh, said the big thing is simplicity of the melody, and there's something in the lyrics. So yeah. you've been, Ed, you've been in stadiums where yeah. a, a song has been sung. What songs? Well, there's, um, I mean, uh, when I was in the UK, used to watch Manchester United, so they had uh, Glory, Glory, Man United. So it's, it's, <laughs> and it's not just a chant, it's a song. <laughs> and obviously in New Zealand, you, you see in cricket, a lot of the times, uh, We Will Rock You uh, pops up. Uh, that's a quite a good song to um, clap to or stomp your foot to uh, at the end of an innings. Um, and in, in Greece, uh, when I uh, visited my friends when I was in the UK, um, they used to have special songs made specifically targeted for the other teams, really insulting them. And that's a lot of fun as well. Because so. the UK is the home yeah. of the song in stadium, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. In stadium. Uh, it is 24 to 5. The panel are in Z National. And on a football-related note, Italian expats are preparing for a big morning on Monday as Italy take on England in the final of the European Football Championship. It hits screens here at 7 a.m. New Zealand time. So how are they planning to mark the historic sporting occasion? Well, in Wellington, the oldest Italian club in the Southern Hemisphere is Club Garibaldi. It'll be co-hosting a viewing event with the Italian Embassy. And with us is the president of the club, Linda De Gregorio. Linda, welcome to the panel. Thank you, Wallace. So, what have you got planned for Monday at the club rooms? 
Okay, we just put this together last night. Um, we're going to have a breakfast at the club, and we've, um, as, as you've already said, we've, um, we're in conjunction with the Italian Embassy, so they've got a big invite list. We've put our membership out there with all our list of people, and we're hoping for a big crowd to turn up at 7 o'clock at the club, and we're going to watch it live on the big TV screen. And as I said, breakfast will be provided, and hopefully once we win, we'll have lots of champagne afterwards. I think I'd rather go to the Italian breakfast than the like English full, full English breakfast, yeah. right? Yeah. Why do you have it an Italian breakfast? Is there, uh, is there, Italia. Uh, well, we've got our, our resident chef Alf Bazzilli, who um, who put together some beautiful like croissants and probably some salamis and cheeses and. All right. And, Pretty much, I mean, Italian, as you know, is all the ifs, the family, the food, yeah. the football, and the fashion. So, um, oh. yeah, we'll be putting lots of food on and hopefully a really good atmosphere. Well, let's get one thing out of the way. I mean, England will lose, so that's that's a given. <laughs> that's what we're hoping for. Uh, yeah. And uh, so I'm... It's 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 a coincidence that you have one of the biggest Italian fans here in the panel because oh, are you growing a, up, are you a big Italian, huge Italian fan? Because uh, since growing up, uh, my first game that I'm I bought, I'm so confused right now. Euro Euro '96 <laughs> in my um, uh, in uh, for my FIFA '96 for my uh, game, and then Italy was the team that I was always choosing, and all these names: Mancini, Roberto Carlos. They were they were just growing up, and then AC Milan is my team uh, in Italy so I'm I'm really excited about the Euro final and uh, I'm, uh, Viva Italia Oh thank you, grazie grazie <laughs> molto, at the moment it seems to be all England, England, England so we're going to be holding the, the not, red, white and green flag Not and, within and, a month no, no way, I'm going to be wearing my I'm going to, I'm going to just <laughs> wear my black caps shirt reverse because it's blue and um, I'm going to be supporting Italy Have you been to Italy? Oh yeah, I've been to Italy twice. Once just to Rome, and the second time with my wife uh, to travel the whole of the south. So you're a, you're an Italian fan. I'm an Italian Italian fan. <laughs> to make you an honorary Italian. <laughs> yeah. Italian Yay. So look, um, what on, on, on another note, or serious note, finally, what would a win mean for the Italians? Oh, I think this will be something. I mean, football is, as I've probably said, is, is a very, um, very popular in, in Italy. And I think um, people all around, all the Italians around the world would just probably just be happy to join in with their, their family in Italy. I mean, I've got lots of family in Italy who have been um, Facebooking me over the last few weeks while the games have been playing, you know, saying, hope you're going for Italy. I think it would just be... It'll be a really nice celebration and give everybody a good chance all over the world, all the Italians, to celebrate a really good, um, a good thing. Especially in this world at the moment, so many things yeah. are going, you know, bad. And I think something like this would really lift the whole spirit, the whole, you know, any sport that a country gets behind is always a good thing for the community and for the country. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it would be a really good thing for Club Garibaldi also. Um, good, um, this has been a good publicity stunt for us. And I just think, yeah, I think all the Italians would just be united you but, know, but, around the world but, in, in, one, in, in one game of football. On so, a, on a, on a final yeah, so that, you, a win would be great. Yeah, but before you go, Linda, uh, I know you're sort of Italians, but wouldn't it just be great for mighty England, <laughs> mighty England, <laughs> to, to, to at least just win, win the, they, they need this, they mm. want this. Oh, I have no comment there. <laughs> comment at well, all. You're I'm so a, I'm, kiwi I'm, I'm now. Pretty, you're so kiwi. I'm, I'm a good sportsmanship. If we, if Italians lose, you know, 
I think the best pers- the best team on the day will win. I mean, Italy, Italy's done really well up and forget the spa, yeah. but as everybody knows, it's it's the, how you play on the day. So, um, of course. you know, the best man win, best team win. Or the best to you. Have a, great, have, a, have a great morning. Uh, Thank you. Thanks a lot. Bye. That is Linda de Gregorio, president of Wellington's Club Garibaldi there, and it's going to be very, very exciting. We will be watching it, and we'll keep you up to date with the news on the panel RNZ uh, Monday afternoon. It is 19 to 5, the panel. In completely different news, Boris Johnson has... Uh, today, actually, uh, Friday New Zealand time, said that most British troops have left Afghanistan almost 20 years after the UK and other Western countries sent troops into the country to engage in what they described as a war on terror. Most US and European troops have also pulled out in recent weeks. Uh, Joe Biden said today, quote, I will not send another generation of Americans to war in Afghanistan with no reasonable expectation of achieving a different outcome. New Zealand withdrew its defence force from Afghanistan in May, ending a 20-year involvement in a conflict in which 10 New Zealand lives were lost. But over the 20 years, 3,500 troops and officials have been deployed there in a conflict which began after September 11 terrorist attack on the Twin Towers in New York. New Zealand Defence Force spent around $300 million during its commitment to Afghanistan. And with us to discuss is Professor of International Law at Waikato, Al Gillespie, who incidentally just this week was one of two winners of the 2021 Critic and Conscience of Society Award alongside Dr Susie Wiles. Al, congratulations to you. Thanks, Wallace. Now, uh, Joe Biden, as chief spokesperson, acknowledged there will not be a mission-accomplished moment in Afghanistan. What do you think he means by that? It means that we lost the war. I mean, you've got 20 years of conflict. You've got a death toll, which is just under a quarter of a million, and incredibly just to close to $1,000 billion has been spent. How did Western forces, including New Zealand, come to be there? We, because uh, Osama bin Laden and al-Qaeda orchestrated the September 11th attacks, they were given sanctuary in Afghanistan. The Taliban would not give them up. The United Nations Security Council then authorised an intervention of which we joined. Was there no choice but to leave Afghanistan? At this point, there there is no alternative. I think it was, legally, it was a correct war. Ethically, you could argue, even though it morphed, it was right to be there to try to further goals like democracy and human rights, perhaps. But practically, it became impossible. You had Pakistan on one side of the border and you never had regional peacekeeping. Yeah, so that's... uh, uh, my my question there is that now the peacekeeping uh, talks have been or peace talks have been starting. It was there was one in Qatar and then uh, recently there was uh, something happening in Iran as well. And there's India involved as well, uh, in the uh, in the conversation as well. So is there now, in your opinion? a direction or hope for peace? Because I see across Afghanistan, there's about 40% of or 50% of the rural area is controlled by Taliban. So do you think we are going towards a civil uh, war? I think we are heading towards a civil conflict. It'll be very much like the 1990s when the Soviets left. I'm very concerned about retribution, carnage, and I think you're likely to see a large refugee flow as well.
Mm. Lynn, do you have a question? I mean, it, it's been going on for most of my adult life. I yeah. understand it no more today yeah. than when they first went in, and I think that's one of the sad things about this, isn't it, is that, you know, what is the point of any of this? Well, just on that, and, and I, I follow night owl. I mean, New Zealand withdrew its defence force from Afghanistan in May, ending a 20-year involvement. Ten lives were lost. There may be some people who will be wondering whether the price was worth it. I think when you say, was it worth it, I mean, legally it was correct. And ethically, it was right to be there in the minds of many people to be trying to defend human rights, sustainable development, and and build a robust society. But practically, it was the wrong choice, because looking back, we can see, now we never had a chance of winning. With Pakistan on one side of the border, and without that, that regional commitment, because peacekeeping must be regional by the local communities to work, we were destined to fail. Al Gillespie, Professor of International Law at Waikato University. Kia ora. Al, thank you very much for your time there. 14 to 5, the panel RNZ National. You are listening to Ed Amon this afternoon and Linda Hellenam. A global public art campaign by shoe brand Converse has been criticised for being disingenuous. Converse claims the murals they have painted are equivalent to planting 9,000 trees as they've been created with a photocatalytic paint that captures air pollutants as it dries. Things like carbon dioxide, formaldehydes, gases. One such mural popped up in Auckland's Karaka Street last month, said to be the equivalent of to 80, 182 trees. But one scientist says the paint does not absorb enough CO2 during the drying process to make up for the CO2 used when the paint is made. Quite a very interesting uh, piece, this one. With us to discuss this is Professor Justin Hodgkiss, who is the co-director of the McDiamond Institute for Advanced Materials and Nanotechnology and an expert in photocatalysis. Professor Hodgkins, kia ora, welcome. Kia ora. Can you explain how the paint absorbs the pollutants in the first place? Well, I guess there's two different things. One, there's CO2, and then there's other pollutants. Um, Now, when it comes to CO2, um, one of the main components in this particular paint is lime, which is calcium oxide, and that really wants to bind to CO2 and form calcium carbonate, which we also call limestone. So, you know, limestone in the environment, rocks, has been made, um, you know, with carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. Um, then the other aspect of this is that it's photocatalytic, not not due to the limestone, but due to things in there. And that means that when it absorbs light, then it becomes reactive and it will kind of zap things that bump into the surface. Mm. So what of the claims, and it's quite interesting, I mean, uh, absorbing air pollutants like plants, but what of the claims that these murals are equivalent to planting thousands of trees? Yeah, I think I'm quite uncomfortable with those claims. So that, yes, it absorbs CO2, uh, but not very much at all. So okay. um, about, about some, I calculate about 30 grams of CO2 per square metre of paint. That's it? Um, and then it's, yeah, once the paint's dried, that's it. Doesn't it like, yeah. fail to take into account the fact that like, a tree just carries on living and sucking up? Yeah, yeah. Like, this yeah. is the most ridiculous campaign. How yeah. do you even get and across also, the line? Yeah, it's crazy. And <laughs> I have to say, um, Dr. Hotchkiss, I mean, you're one of my favorite persons now because 
you know, Converse will be sitting there and high-fiving each other. Oh, my God, such a great campaign. And then, obviously, we have people like Dr. Hotchkiss here, you know, who kind of point out that, okay, you are making false claims, and we need people like you out there. Because uh, I was reading through all the science, and it's amazing how um, it's, it's, I mean... They just tread the line of, okay, only just say the positive stuff, but forget about how much CO2 will be created while, right. we, while we create the paint and do the painting process. So but, fantastic work. But some of the claims, though, are uh, kosher, aren't they, uh, uh, Justin? I mean, you, you, you do have photocatalytic paints that can indeed purify the air. Yeah, that, that's true. And it's just a question of scale, I guess. So um, these photocatalytic paints, and now we're not talking about the CO2 aspect, we're talking yeah. about you know, uh, maybe getting rid of nitrous oxide from mm. um, exhausts or, or from or volatile organic carbon. Um, and, you know, they, they do actually get rid of these things, um, but just not very much. And if you think about a mural as just one two-dimensional surface, uh, and there's a whole lot of three-dimensional air around it. It's just not, and it only works when the UV lights on it. So it's just not going to do that much. So, mm. yeah, if you had a little box in the lab, you could measure a reduced amount of, you know, pollutant gases. But can I, can it, I just ask a technical fine. question? Sorry, just yeah. so basically, that just does it once, does it, or does it carry on sucking stuff out of the air? This paint. Well, so this it won't carry on sucking CO2 out of the air, but it will carry on, um, you know, zapping pollutants in the air. Mm. And that's the catalytic part of it. So these are, these are actually two quite different things. Cool. So, so the main problem was the comparison to the trees, which does not fit well, right? <laughs> yeah, that, that comparison to trees does not sit well to me. It might be com- you know, comparable to like a bonsai tree or something. Bonsai collection. To be fair to to Converse, and I was wearing Converse shoes when I read about this. Um, To be fair to Converse, like I'm all for things that stimulate people to think about uh, negative emissions, that is, things that soak up carbon, and to think about what things are made of, to think about you know the carbon footprint of materials and materials that could be regenerative for the environment. So, yeah, I, I do think, I, I do like that aspect of it, but I think that in, when you look at the numbers, it falls Sorry, of, sorry, Justin, you lost that's it. That's fantastic. We're, 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 you can see in their eyes, all, 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 all they think about is this little bonsai tree. Um, we but, should point out in the interest of balance, it's a very nice mural. Very, it's it a, looks very, very amazing. cool, very, very cool. Yeah, and, yeah. and Justin's wearing Converse, by the yeah. way, as well. Uh, but, but just on a very, very final note, I guess the, 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 the driving home message here, Professor Hodgkiss, is, is the last thing you want is for people to think that painting the house with a certain paint absolves them of guilt for behavioural choices and lifestyles that emits lots of CO2. I think you made that point. Yeah, and that's something that we're very conscious of as scientists developing technologies that might mitigate climate change is, um, you know, we can put technological solutions on the table, but it's got to be coupled with behavioural change. And there's a real risk of things kind of backfiring if people think that they can just go on doing what they're doing. Tech won't save the day. Yeah.
Nice to have you on the program, uh, and uh, lovely to have you on. That's Professor Justin Hodgkiss there, co-director of the McDiamond Institute for Advanced Materials and Nanotechnology, an expert in photocatalysis and big fan of Converse sneakers, uh, as I understand. But uh, it's interesting, <laughs> isn't it? I mean, what uh, it's interesting. It's two sides. What tech, what tech can do, but it's yeah. also that last point. It won't be enough on its own. Yeah, and the problem is, uh, I mean, it's a useful thing and it's a positive thing. The problem here is not the science around it. The problem is the claims that it made and the comparisons that are made for, uh, around it. That, that was the main issue. I think um, Dr. Hodgkins said that, yeah, it's fine. It's good as well. But the claim doesn't sit. Now to this... <clears throat> 725, a colourful road safety trial in Nelson has been called childish and dangerous by local stuff reports. The trial is now in its second phase, with Tipahi Street in the south of Nelson now home to pictures of bees, a butterfly and flowers, plus speed humps and thin tubular bollards designed to slow cars down. One resident claimed the new additions were a distraction, another called it impractical and said speed, bu- speed bumps made drivers angry. But data collected by the Nelson City Council at the end of the first phase show the trial has so far lowered speed in vehicle numbers. With us is Councillor Brian McGurk, who is Chair of Nelson City Council's Infrastructure Committee. Brian, kia ora, and welcome to the panel. Yeah, good afternoon, Wallace. Good afternoon. On the show. Yeah. It's lovely to have you on, uh, and it's quite interesting because I know the street really well. I w- went to Nelson Intermediate, so I can I can envisage the cars travelling quite fast in my mind. But the backlash we're hearing from locals today, is this just hesitancy to change or explain it? Well... The road art you're talking about is probably just the one aspect of a, a wider road safety you know, program that we've got for that particular area. Um, you know, it's it's a trial and it's innovative by both by name and by nature. So what we're doing is that with phase one, we've tried some various things and uh, some of those initiatives were equally controversial. So uh, putting the road out there is uh, the reaction is perhaps not unexpected. But it's you know part of a, a wider package um, we've done for reducing speeds and making the pace just feel safer uh, for you know the road users and people in that particular neighbourhood. Did you use photocatalytic paint? <laughs> no, we didn't. <laughs> you should have though. Road. That would have been quite a good innovative. <laughs> now that we no, all know about normal, it. No, it's normal road marking paint. That's so non-slip, uh, non-slip, and it's. You know, perfectly safe and perfectly capable for that sort of environment. It, I, I th- well, I know it's a trial, and I know with any kind of change, there's always a problem. So I guess if 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 there it if it doesn't provide the results, obviously you are going to change the ways or select the activity that most uh, most contributed to slowing speeds. I know from my personal experience that in Pakistan we had this huge issue on on some of the roads with uh, because there's no speed limit anyway. So but but the the government just started putting in speed bumps and it really actually saved lives. So yeah, yeah I'm okay with the uh, with the program. I mean, people would have problem with everything. Maybe not the butterfly, maybe, but uh, whatever. Um, but whatever works, definitely. If the trial something works, you but implement does it. it. But doesn't yeah. work because it's really getting quite a backlash uh, there, Brian. I mean, pictures of bees, butterflies, flowers. As someone says here, yeah, this road trial is the biggest joke. It's got to be seen to be believed. Are, are you getting uh, are you getting buy-in or just people hate it? Well, no, the feedback we've had for the residents that actually live in the area has been overwhelmingly positive. 
And uh, they were involved in, you know, coming up with some ideas about making the street a little bit calmer uh, for them. Uh, and we try, you know, we're trying a whole lot of things in the road art. The one was road hunts, was narrowing the street in some parts, for putting some planter boxes with some trees, uh, to sort of, you know, help with the streetscape, um, and was. You know, widen the footpath and other aspects uh, of that area. So, Brian, yeah, I'm um, I'm I, I live near Pukekohe, and uh, they've recently done a very similar streets for the people project, and oh. it went down like a cup of cold sick, a cup of brightly painted blue cold sick. Uh, same <laughs> thing. They basically shoved a whole lot of bollards up, said they were reclaiming the streets for the people in the middle of winter, put out some tables for people to eat on in front of places they weren't even cafes. It was just a disaster. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, we've seen a similar thing in Henderson. We've seen it in only. I mean, where is this campaign coming from? It seems like a big, fat waste of money across the country. Oh, well, I mean, I yeah, know it's local, not your campaign, you know, is it? It's the New Zealand oh, Transport no, no, Agency. The local, the local, I have to say that local, a really big hand in, in coming up with some ideas we've had for making their street feel safer. And somewhere where it's got you know decent amenity, it feels safe, that, that kids can go down the footpath and they can cross the street safely. And that's what it's all about. So they've they've come up with ideas. We've had some drop-in sessions, we've tried those things and got people, you know, got feedback. Some of the things we're thinking about. So, you know, we haven't done this on our own. We've done it hand in hand with them the local community there, and they've had a, a big hand in, in some of the right. things that we would like to see. We're nearly at the end of the programme, Brian. Thank you very much for that. That's uh, from uh, Brian from Nelson City Council, and you have both been wonderful uh, on the programme. Adam on Linda Helen, and a big thanks to my producer, Alex, for putting a really, really big week together. Kia ora to you, Alex. It'd be. I'm Wallace Chip, and I am back tomorrow. Sorry, not tomorrow. Gosh, <laughs> when am I back? Weekend. On Monday, 3.45. Yeah. Till then, see you later. We will tell you. Ha, <laughs> ha,